Welcome to Pure Heart Church Podcast, Becoming Like Jesus. You're about to hear another inspirational message, and our prayer is that you are encouraged and one step closer to becoming like Jesus for the sake of others. Well, welcome all of you. Thanks so much for joining us wherever you're watching across the great Metro Phoenix area, throughout the state of Arizona, across the United States, or even around the world. We're so honored uh, to be able to join with you and bring God's word to you. Also, we want to give a special shout out to Crossroads Recovery. We love you guys deeply, and we're so honored to be a part of your journey with Jesus. We're thankful for you guys. So I was thinking this week, as just kind of a lead into this message, there's a phrase that undoubtedly you've probably heard at one time or another, and that is that I'm a lover, not a fighter. Well, in a lot of ways, I think that kind of describes my life because I've been in one fight in my entire life, and that was in the fourth grade. I'll never forget it. There was this kid in my class in the fourth grade and I don't even really remember his name, but we were, we were going back and forth like, like boys do and sparring and whatnot. And, and he said something that just set me off. And so I just blurted out to him, meet me in the alley after school. Because there was this alley behind our school and that's kind of where all the fights happened when I was in elementary school. And so I didn't honestly think the kid would show up, and, and, but he did. He took me to the challenge. And I remember I was walking home. That was the way I walked home from school. And I'm walking down the alley and all of a sudden I hear footsteps behind me and there's this whole crowd of kids and this kid that I had thrown down the challenge to is leading the pack and he shows up and he's ready to duke it out. A couple of nine-year-old boys just going at it. And I don't exactly remember how many punches were thrown. It couldn't have been that many because it was a short time after that, that a teacher intervened. Now, why do I share this story with you? Well, a couple of things. First of all, when it was all said and done, we just kind of did what guys do. We shook hands and we went our separate ways. It was never mentioned again. It was all good because we had settled it right there. But the other reason I bring that up is because I really admire the kid. Looking back on this now with the perspective of time, I really admired this young man for uh, stepping up to the challenge. He did not back down. And I was a little bit bigger than him at that time. And he didn't back down to the challenge. He was a little bit smaller. and it, it didn't make any difference. He was there. He showed up. And I threw the challenge down and he didn't back down. It takes a lot of courage for us to face a challenge. Doesn't mean it has to be a fight situation, but when we're challenged, it takes a lot of courage for us to rise to that, especially when the odds are stacked against us. Now, what I want to do in this message is I want to look at a man in scripture that you may have heard of. His name is Daniel. And Daniel demonstrates for us beautifully what it means to rise to a challenge when the odds are stacked against him. And his story is absolutely fascinating. I'd really encourage you, if you have some time, to read the first six chapters of Daniel. It gives us a beautiful snapshot of his life and, and how he rose to pro prominence in, in government capacities. But here's a young man that, when he was a teenager, he was literally taken from his homeland as part of a military siege. The Babylonian Empire was the most powerful empire in the world at that time, and, and they were conquering territories, and they had besieged the city of Jerusalem, which was Daniel's hometown. 
basically starved them out. And eventually they surrendered and they carried off because Nebuchadnezzar was a shrewd leader. He understood that to build an empire, you needed to take the best and brightest and train them in the culture and train them for service in the empire. Daniel was one of many who were chosen to be part of this um, government training program, if you will. And he rose up through the ranks, became very well respected. He actually lived through three different rulers. Um, he, he saw a lot in his lifetime. He saw um, one leader go insane. He saw one leader uh, be executed and he saw another leader uh, rise to prominence. But in each of these situations, Daniel was one who was able to maintain a level of influence and leadership in a land that was not his own. Babylon in the 6th century BC was on the map. The only way I know how to describe Babylon is that it was kind of like Las Vegas and Hollywood and New York all rolled into one. It was cosmopolitan. It was happening. There was arts. There was culture. There was science. There was mathematics. It was the place to be in the 6th century BC. But here's what the problem was. The problem was the Babylonians did not recognize Daniel's God, our God, the God that we serve, as the God of the universe, the creator of all things. Now, what Daniel was able to do in spite of this, in spite of the fact that they did not recognize God as the supreme God, Daniel was able to echo a very powerful principle. And it's one that really doesn't show up in full until the time of Jesus. Now look at what Jesus said, and then I'm gonna tie this back together. The night before Jesus was betrayed and executed, he was praying to the Father. And this is what he said about his followers. He was praying for his followers, which includes you and I. He said, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. That is a powerful idea. Jesus said, I, I'm not praying that they be taken out of this. I'm not praying that the situation that they're gonna be sent into, the culture that they are gonna be sent into, I'm not praying, God, that you take them out of that, but only that you protect them from the evil one. Why? He goes on in verse 16. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. That very powerful principle that Jesus prayed to the Father over all of his followers, including you and I, was something really that 600 years before Jesus, Daniel was able to live by. Daniel lived his entire life through this grid. You see, once again, Babylon did not recognize God as the God of the universe, the creator, the sustainer of all things. And Daniel constantly felt the pressure of the world system crushing in on him and as he tried to navigate the tricky waters of being a follower of God in the midst of a godless and pagan culture. Now, Daniel's life shows us a very, very important thing, and that is this. He shows us that it's very possible for those of us who are Christians, those of us who are followers of Jesus to live and function in a world that does not honor or recognize the God that we serve as the God. 
It is possible for us to live an excellent life. It's possible for us to serve with excellence and bring honor to the name of the Lord, knowing full well that we are going to be held accountable for how well we steward the influence that God has given us. Daniel was able to rise to a position of prominence in the midst of a culture that was antagonistic toward his God. Now, by the time we get to the chapter that we're at in Daniel's life that we're going to look at in chapter six, Daniel was an old man. He's pushing 80 years old. He's seen a lot, served under several kings. He's watched as the seemingly invincible empire of Babylon was conquered by the Persians. And yet here in his eighties, he's still in a place of leadership. He's still in a place of influence. Now, let me pause just for a second, and I want to just speak to each one of you that are watching uh, this message today. You are positioned for influence. Wherever you are, God has positioned you to become like Jesus. Why? As we looked in the last series that Pastor Dan just finished, for the sake of others. But we do it by living in the world and not of the world. Now, what we do with that responsibility and that task and that position that God's put it, put us in is completely up to us. So here's what I want to do as a springboard for the rest of this message. What do we do when culture fights back? Very important question. Very powerful question. What do we do when culture fights back? Now, let's leave Daniel just for a moment. We'll come back to him. But let's bring us right now into our world. For the most part, in our culture, at least here in the United States, we have been left alone as followers of Jesus. We're not hunted down. We're not taken prisoner. We're not tortured for our faith like, like many of our brothers and sisters in Christ suffer in other parts of the world. Here in the United States, we enjoy a freedom that many people across the world only dream about. And for the most part, even if somebody in our culture disagrees with us, yeah, they, they leave us alone. They may challenge us on, on social media, but for the most part, we still have incredible freedom to live our lives as a follower of Jesus. But there are so many, maybe you're watching today, and maybe you get this feeling like so many of us do, that culture is starting to push back against us here in our own country. There are a lot of people that get the sense that our rights and our freedoms in this country are being challenged and that our voice is gradually being silenced by people who would seek to oppress us. The question we have to ask ourselves is what do we do when culture fights back? What happens when the tide starts to turn and our faith is challenged? What happens when a culture like ours turns antagonistic toward our faith and maybe toward the very God that we serve, what are we going to do? See, there's two big ideas right now in Western culture that are really picking up momentum and they're pushing against religion as a whole, but particularly against Christianity. And many of us are feeling this push. One of those is to eliminate religion altogether. We need to just outlaw it. We need to legislate it out. Now, now I got to tell you, this has been tried over the last several decades in countries across the world, and the opposite has actually occurred. And I'm reminded, when I read these stories, I'm reminded of what happened with the Israelites when they were in Egypt and they were oppressed. This is what the scripture tells us in Exodus 1.12. It says, the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. 
So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. I've got enough confidence that what we believe is true to know that the more that culture presses against us, the more that we have the capacity to grow and multiply because the God that we serve is indeed the supreme God over all the universe and he is the sustainer of all things. But yet this movement to eliminate religion is picking up steam. Another movement that we see that's pushing against us is to get religion out of the public square. People that just want to privatize it. They want to tell us, hey, you can practice your faith, just don't talk about it in public. And those aren't the only things happening. Culture is trying not only to push back and to privatize religion and to privatize our faith, many of the values that we hold dear that are biblical values have been redefined by culture over the past couple of decades. Things that have that were not defined by us, but were defined by God at the beginning of time and the beginning of creation, those things are being redefined by our culture. So what do we do? What do we do when culture fights back? Well, fortunately for us, Daniel's life and Daniel's encounter here in chapter six that we're getting ready to look at gives us an idea of what we can do when culture is fighting back. So let's dive into this, starting in verse one of Daniel chapter six. Scripture says, it pleased Darius, who was the the ruler of the Persian empire, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. Basically, that's a fancy word for governmental leaders. He's going to set leaders to be throughout the whole kingdom, over provinces. And over them, three high officials, of whom Daniel was one. So you see how Daniel, a very old man by this time, has just risen up and been given a lot of favor. And he's going to be in the top four. He's going to be like in the highest level of the cabinet for King Darius, to whom these satraps should give an account so that the king might suffer no loss. Now, verse three is what I really want to draw our attention to here. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps. Why? Because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. I don't want us to move quickly past that. Daniel distinguished himself because he had an excellent spirit. Let let me ask you today, what is your distinguishing mark? What is it that you are known for? What is it that sets you apart? For Daniel, he had a distinguishing quality that enabled him to go to the top. This distinguishing quality gave him favor. It opened up incredible opportunities for influence. And Daniel's distinguishing mark was that he had an excellent spirit. That word excellent is very powerful in the original language. It means extraordinary. It means above and beyond. I mean, you've seen the type of people that do this. I mean, there's so many people that you know, they honestly, if we're, if we're being real, they just strive to get by. They just strive to do the bare minimum and to do just the least amount of work that they can do to get by. And then there's those that go above and beyond. There's those that want to distinguish themselves by going above and beyond. I, I have the, the privilege of, of teaching 
uh, college level classes. And one of the things that I've learned about students really quick, even at the college level, is that there's some that will do as little as possible. They, they've got all the talent in the world. They've got all the smarts. They've got all the resources within them. But man, they just, they do not want to go above and beyond. They just want to do what they have to do to get the grade. And then there are those students that just they set themselves apart because they always go the extra mile. They do a little bit extra in the papers. You can tell they, they put a little extra into their resources and their research and the things that they do. Those are the students that really have an excellent spirit. You know what I'm talking about. You work with people that fall into both of those areas. Daniel's distinguishing mark, don't miss that. His distinguishing mark was that he had an excellent Spirit. This word spirit really is used in the Old Testament to speak of God in spirit form, the breath of God, the spirit of God, the excellent surpassing breath of God was, was inside of Daniel. He inhaled God. He, he exhaled God. And it was because he lived his life in that posture that he became distinguished and really was next in line to become in our world, the vice president of the nation. How, how does that happen? I mean, how, how do we get to that point? There's a scripture in Proverbs chapter three that moves us in this direction that I believe Daniel had an understanding of. The writer of Proverbs puts it this way. He says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Wow. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Ladies and gentlemen, let me say this to you. The essence of the Christian life is to love well. Jesus pared everything down when he said to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. 620 laws, he pared it down to those two big picture ideas as being the essence of what God was saying. And everything we do is to love well. And so the writer of Proverbs knew this. He said, let love and let faithfulness, standing faithful, standing firm in the midst of all kinds of issues and all kinds of adversity, we are going to lean into the faithfulness that God wants us to lean into. And then he says, you'll win favor. What we need to do is we need to pray that God's breath rests in us, that his love and that his faithfulness works in us so much. Scripture says, write those things on your heart. Tattoo those things, if you will, on the walls of your heart. Let that and that alone become our distinguishing mark so that we can rise to a place of favor, not only with God, but also with people. That's the kind of distinguishing mark that Daniel had on his life. We read on. Then the high officials and the satraps, though, they became jealous, as so often happens. They saw the favor that was on Daniel, and they became incredibly jealous. So they sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel, unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. <laughs> These leaders are saying, look, you know what? If we're going to trip him up 
We're gonna have to go on to something else because his work is above board. Everything he does is amazing. We're never gonna trip him up on what he produces in the marketplace because he's so good at what he does. If we're gonna get him, if we're gonna derail him, we're gonna have to attack his faith. We're gonna have to go over the driving force behind all of this excellence. We're gonna have to take this guy out and the only way that we're gonna do it is to go after the things that distinguish him. So here's what they did. All the high officials, verse seven, all the high officials of the kingdom agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any God or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. This right here is where culture is fighting back. Culture is pushing back. It's really, you look at it and you read through this, it's, it's really kind of benign. They're basically saying, they're saying, King, for 30 days, nobody can make petition to any God except you. 30 days wasn't really a religious issue. We're not asking people to worship you. We're just saying, if you've got a petition, don't pray to your God or gods or whatever it is that, that you do, we're gonna come to you. Now, what would we do? What would we do in that situation? You see, ladies and gentlemen, the enemy of our soul is gonna do everything that he can do to take us out of commission because he knows that we've been sent into the world as Jesus was sent. We've been sent to influence. We got this, this circle of influence that God wants us to, to leverage for his kingdom purposes. And we're gonna be held accountable for that. The enemy of our soul knows this. So he's gonna do everything to limit our capacity and he's gonna use culture to do it. This was a 30-day experiment. I mean, it wasn't like this thing was permanent. It wasn't a permanent decree. And Daniel's response is critical. But before we look at Daniel's response, I want us to stop and think about something. Here's a guy that was in his 80s, and he has seen it all. By the time you get to that stage of life, you have an incredible gift of perspective. You have a gift that somebody in their 20s doesn't have yet, just by the virtue of time. Now, as I've told you, Daniel's been through a lot. He stayed faithful to God for all these years. And here's the approach that Daniel could have taken. He could have said, you know, God, I've served you for years. I've been faithful. I deserve a vacation from this. I mean, 30 days. God, why can't I just take a month off? I mean, this decree, it doesn't say I have to, I have to worship King Darius. It just says that I can't openly petition anyone or anything but him. God, God, surely you understand. You know, I, I'll tell you what, God, I'll just stay silent for 30 days. I'm just gonna let this thing pass. And then God, you know what? After this 30 days, I'll be right back with you. So just stay tuned, God. I, 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 don't go away, I'll be back. I'm gonna privatize my faith for 30 days. I'm gonna go into my God closet, if you will. God, I'm sure you don't mind. You know, I have to wonder if that isn't what we do from time to time when culture pushes back 
against us. Or, or let's take it a step further. When the enemy of our soul is pushing against us, let's take culture out of it. Maybe we're presented with things in our life, temptations, opportunities, things that have the capacity to derail us. Maybe our faith is openly challenged by a smart skeptic and we don't know how to respond. We're presented with ways that we can compromise our values, our morals, because, you know, after all, culture is already moving in this direction. We, we're, we're just going to get in step with culture. And no, you know, God, I've been faithful. I, I've served you. I deserve this little vacation. I deserve to have some fun. I mean, I can have some fun. Why do I have to always be the one that's different? God, surely you understand that, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to not stop living in, but not of, but God, I'll be right back. I'm sure you don't mind. Now I have to say that from a natural perspective, if anybody deserved a break, it was Daniel. But as we look at his response to culture pushing back, it speaks volumes, not only about his faith and devotion to God, but also about his fearlessness, about his refusal to back down in the face of a challenge. Watch this. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went into his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. And herein lies an important principle. When culture fights back, stay faithful by leaning into the faithfulness of God. Daniel said, I'm not going private. You're not gonna silence me. Pass all the laws you want, seal them with your signet ring. I'm not intimidated. I'm not afraid of what man can do to me. Oh, I'm not gonna put on a show. I'm not gonna go on display to try to make a big deal out of myself, but I am gonna do what I've done from the time that I arrived in Babylon 60 years ago. I'm going to give honor and I'm going to pray to my God. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to petition him, not because I'm in a crisis, but because that is how I do life. It's just what I do. And ladies and gentlemen, if you build this into your life, when culture pushes back or when life pushes back against you, you're not gonna be shaken. You're not gonna be rattled. You're just gonna continue on. You're gonna continue on in God. Why? Because you've chosen to stay faithful. You've chosen to spend enough time with God and you've been around God long enough and known him long enough and observed him long enough that you know his faithfulness. It's as if Daniel is saying, you know, the same God that brought me through King Nebuchadnezzar's government leadership program, the same God who gave me the interpretation of the king's dreams, the same God who walked with my friends through the fiery furnace, the same God who allowed me to interpret the handwriting on the wall with Belshazzar, the same God that has given me favor with kings and allowed me to live in, but not of, and been with me every single step of the way in my life. That God is not going to leave me. He is not going to forsake me. Oh, I think Daniel was totally on par with what David said in Psalm 37, where he said, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. 
I get the sense that Daniel is basically saying, you know what, leaders of Babylon, I love you, but you've come along too late in your life to push me in this direction and not expect me to rise to the challenge. I'm going to lean in to the faithfulness of God. Ladies and gentlemen, God is fully aware of what's happening in our culture. And in spite of what you've read, what you've seen and what you've heard, let me reassure you today, God is completely 100% in charge of the universe. He is in charge of what is happening. He is going somewhere with his plan for history. And in the end of days, God is gonna set all things right and make all things new. But you know what? I have to admit something. I have to admit that as I have watched what's going on in our culture, what's going on in our world, I've honestly fought fear. I have fought fear and wondering, my goodness, what in the world is going to happen? I have battled fear of what's going to happen with my kids and my grandkids. But you know what? In those moments, what I have to do is I have to lean in to what I know is true. I've already run into God's arms so many times before, and I've found God to be faithful, and he is going to be faithful to us now. So we see that Daniel leans in to the faithfulness of God, but he also does something else. See, when culture fights back, we have to rise to the challenge with the right weapons. Daniel chose the right weapons. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every captive thought to make it obedient to Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, the battle for our culture is not the Christians versus the atheists. It's not faith versus reason. It's not Christianity versus the political structure. The real battle is the age-long battle of God versus Satan. And it may not be a battle that we are able to see with our natural eyes, but it's raging in the unseen supernatural realm. And we fight a supernatural battle with supernatural weapons using the word of God and prayer as the ultimate source of our strength and our power. That's exactly what Daniel did. He prayed to the Lord, his God. And for a short period of time, it looked like culture was gonna win. Because if you read on in the story, they caught him praying. They caught him fighting this battle with the right weapons. But they didn't understand this, so they turned him in. And Darius had no choice but to do what he said he was gonna do. He was bound as the leader of the nation to throw Daniel into the den of lions. He threw him in. They sealed up the mouth of the den. He even stamped it with that signet ring to assure that nobody could come along and help Daniel out of his plight. And that night after Darius had to do it, the king had a sleepless night. He got up early the next morning and here's what happened in verse 20, chapter six. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, "'O Daniel, servant of the living God, "'has your God whom you serve continually 
been able to deliver you from the lions. Then Daniel said to the king, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. See, Daniel stayed faithful by leaning into the faithfulness of God. Daniel was also able to rise to the challenge by choosing the right weapons to fight his battle. And thirdly, and probably most importantly here, is Daniel was able to let God vindicate him. And that's what we need to do. When culture pushes back, let God vindicate you. There's so much imagery and symbolism in this story. It's one of my favorite stories in scripture. It's one that I've heard since I was very, very young. And maybe if you grew up in church, you, you heard this story growing up as well. But the thing that I marveled with as I read this with fresh eyes this past week is that it was God who shut the mouths of the lions. God was the one who got the last word. God was the one who got the glory. You see, the Bible describes Satan, the enemy of our soul, as a roaring lion going about seeking to devour. And that's exactly what culture is trying to do. It's trying to swallow us up. It's trying to devour us. But I have just enough confidence in the God that I serve and the God that I see throughout the pages of Scripture that time after time showed himself faithful, that God is able to vindicate us by shutting the mouths of the lions that are trying to devour us. So ladies and gentlemen, my, my exhortation to you today, those of you that may be struggling with, with fear over the current situation that we see happening around us right now, did you know that God wants to relieve you from that fear? God wants to release that fear from your life. In fact, as I read through the gospels, I see that, that Jesus time after time after time again, when he would approach people who were, who were desperately in need and crying out to him, one of the first things he would often say to them was fear not. And that's what I want to say to you today is that we cannot live in a state of fear no matter how much culture is pushing back against us. No matter how much the lions, if you will, are roaring, when we stay faithful by leaning into the faithfulness of God, when we use the right weapons and we allow God to vindicate us, it opens us up and it positions us for an incredible victory. And I believe God is going to do exactly that when we follow these amazing principles in his word. Now, even if things don't turn out the way that we would envision them, God will somehow ensure that his name gets the glory. So once again, stay faithful by leaning into God's faithfulness. Rise to the challenge with the right weapons and let God vindicate you. Now, here's what I wanna do as we close today. There's so many of you that are, that are struggling right now. And I believe there's so much fear that is just across the board in our world today. And God wants to release us from that. When we look at stories like Daniel, it can bring us hope. It can bring us into a place where we realize, you know what? If God can do it for Daniel, he can do it for us also. So yes, culture may be pushing back and those fears may be very, very real inside of us. But let's stay faithful by leaning into his faithfulness. Let's rise to the challenge 
by using the right weapons. And let's let God be the one who vindicates us. Now, as we get ready to pray today, there may be those of you that are watching that have never taken that most important step in your life, which is to put your faith and your trust in Jesus. You've never asked him to be the Lord of your life or the leader of your life. And maybe there was something in this story that caught you and you said, wow, man, God showed himself faithful to Daniel. You know, that's exactly who God is. He is faithful and he is so faithful and he is so just and he is so righteous that, that he, and he loves us so incredibly much that he said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna give my son so that he can give his life to bring you back into relationship with me. And so today for the first time, maybe you're gonna say yes to Jesus. And if that's you, I just want you to say this very simple prayer in your heart with me today. Say, dear God, thank you so much for giving your son Jesus, for allowing him to come to this earth to give his life so that I could have life. Thank you for allowing Jesus to die the death that he didn't deserve to die so that I could live the life that I don't deserve to live. And today I ask you to come into my life, to be the Lord of my life, to lead my life, to forgive me of my sins. Today, I put my faith, my trust, and my confidence in you. And I ask you today to start something new in my life as I put my faith in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen.